Hello, and welcome to People Keep Dying, the podcast where we talk about people who die. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Angela. And today we are on episode 20. Aren't you excited for us? Super excited. I'm Two excited decades. for Two decades. Two decades. Four, five months. Five months we've been doing this now. We've done... This is pretty, pretty good. It's pretty good. Consistent. Every week we record, every week we edit, every week we release, and every our week we fans. Release. Yes. I mean, we record every week. No, sometimes we don't. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, the, our fans don't need to know that, Angela. We're okay. Keep up the persona <laughs> that we record every week. No, but at least we release every week. And that's because sometimes we do a little bit of double recordings like we're doing tonight. And sometimes we're really busy, so that's why we got to do it. Yeah. And because we want to maintain a schedule for our fans. We want to remain consistent for you. So that, so you, that will you continue to listen to us. We'll remain consistent with us. Yes. But if you can also leave us a review and yeah. a nice... A nice review i'd appreciate it but if you have a bad review you can um keep it to yourself the only bad review i want is like someone telling me that my voice is annoying but you can email that to that us. would just you really you that can, would validate how i feel about my own voice if you so. have any concerns you can email us your concerns i've done customer service for the last decade at this point what could they so. possibly be concerned about other than like our mental health Mm, maybe. and you don't need to send us an email concerned about yeah. our mental health or i guess we're like <laughs> maybe they're concerned that we're trying to plan something like we're going to plan a murder oh no and i'm like we said in an earlier earlier episode we would not get away with it so i'm yeah. also not going to plan my murder on a podcast yeah. because that's how you get caught but we would be the very first podcast to do it. Uh, would we? I mean, we don't know what other people are doing. That's true. I've I think I've been hearing a lot about podcasts that like record sessions for an entire year without releasing it. And then they release the podcast. Yeah. And I just look at that like, I mean, I sort of understand why. I mean, Serial does but it. Like, but that's different. Well, that's a different thing because yeah, that's like, episodic. that's an, to me, that's a procedural. Yeah. It's procedural? like a Netflix show, basically. Yeah. Uh, where they're doing a lot of research and stuff. No, these people just like recorded a podcast uh, every single week. They did a session and they, and then like the following year they decided to finally release it because the guy was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm pretty good with it now. I mean, who knows? And I was just like, Everyone's okay. A different process. So we don't know what kind of people are murdering people on podcasts. Oh, and that's true. I mean, last week we had a lady who wanted to be the first murder or the first suicide on tv yeah um attempted suicide. someone's gonna want to be the first murder on a podcast but i prefer where they make everybody else listening to, to it yeah it's yeah. not gonna be us it's not i'm pretty be sure us. that this get shut a, down real fast though this got this was a long-winded rant on like nothing here uh <laughs> welcome to the podcast everybody thank uh, you for listening yes uh so i'm going first today and today we're going to talk a little bit of a mystery, but it's not like to me, it's not really a mystery. I feel be. like they have okay. solved it, uh, but no, technically no, they have to God, not. It's like, it's like an unsolved murder. And I'm like, come on. It is. No it, is. it is. I know you hate them, but this one's like, like I said, I feel like this one's solved. Okay. I really do. Okay. But for whatever reason, they just, they won't. They don't have they don't close enough the physical yeah, evidence. They don't maybe. have enough. Okay. Yeah. Let's start you off. So on January 2nd, 1935, at 1.20 p.m., a young man walks into the hotel president 
in downtown Kansas City. As he walks up to the front desk to check in, he complains to the bellboy about the outrageous prices of the neighboring hotel. Probably like $10. <laughs> I mean, it's back in 1935. Yeah, $10 probably would was, be a lot. It probably I'm just was saying, $10. yeah. Uh, he requested an interior room on the high floor, and uh, he checked in under the name Roland T. Owen. Mm. He heads up to his room on the 10th floor, room 1046, drops off his comb and toothbrush, then leaves the hotel for the night, and the hotel workers say they saw him infrequently after that. Which, to me, isn't very weird behavior. Like, when I show up to a hotel, I usually just drop my stuff off, and then I go do the things that I wanted to do while I was in the town. Yeah. Like, I don't spend that much time in my hotels. I do. Do you spend a lot of time? I spend a lot of time in the hotel room. But not yeah. like out and about. In but the would hotel. you think? Do you think it's weird behavior for someone to show up at a hotel and for the workers there not to see them? I think that's normal. Yeah, I do feel like, like that's normal. I feel like that just comes yeah. with the territory. Uh, the following day, on January third, a maid working at the hotel, Mary Soptic, uh, stopped by to clean his room around twelve o'clock. When he when she tried to enter the room, she found that the door was locked from the inside. This apparently was strange because no one had seen him return to the room, and most of the guests in the hotel were gone during this time. So Mary knocks on the door, and when Roland answers, she states that she didn't know that he was there and that she can come back later. Uh, Roland tells her that she can come in and clean the room and that she wasn't intruding at all. When she I enters, hate that, by the way. I hate what? it when... Um, they tell you that you can come in. I, I feel weird when someone watches you do your job. How weird is that? To like yeah, but sit it, in a hotel room and wait, made it cleans your bathroom. And I don't, but I don't think that like, I think the way that they cleaned the hotel was probably a little bit different that, that then because yeah. like the way that it comes across, she enters the room quite often. So it sort of sounds like she goes in, at one point makes the bed and then later on she comes by and like drops off towels and probably does a little bit more tidying up so it's really weird because i was because my thing was she she went once why is she going going back to like drop off towels why didn't she drop off towels while she was first there but i digress uh so she uh enters the room and it's mostly like complete darkness. The shades are tightly drawn and it's just a flicker of light coming from a tiny lamp in the corner. And as she cleans, Roland tells Mary that he has a friend coming by to visit him soon. And if she could just leave the door unlocked when she left, uh, that'd be great. Mary agrees and Roland leaves the room. Four hours later, Mary returned with fresh towels only to find that the room was still unlocked. Finding this odd, she enters the room and finds Roland lying on the bed, fully closed, seemingly asleep. On his bedside table, there was a note that read, Dawn, I'll be back in 15 minutes. Wait. Which, to me, it's like, why is this girl reading notes? Yeah. Like, like if she wanted to drop off the towels, like, why is she... you drop off the towels and then you leave? Why are you, like, Why is she walking around? over to, like, the thing? But, like, maybe... She was supposed to make the bed. Like maybe there's no, because she already made the bed and he was laying on it. That's weird. And so yeah, I thought it was a little weird that she like read this letter. Um, because if, if she was only there to drop off the towers, like why didn't she wake him up? Mm-hmm. Or, and then like who's done? Is someone else done? And if it's like because if the letter's there, that's like wait for me whatever it's like is he done is someone else done or is the friend done or maybe he wrote that note and then he fell asleep yeah 
Uh, not really sure. Uh, later that evening, around 11 p.m., a worker for the Kansas City Water Department offers a young man a ride about a mile away from the hotel. The man was dressed in pants and an undershirt and with a deep scratch on his arm. The worker was very suspicious about the way the young man was cupping his hands as if he was hiding bloody hands or another wound. Uh, and when the worker inquired about the cut on the young man's arm, the man replied, I'll fucking kill him tomorrow. And then hopped out of the car, got into a taxi and drove off. The next morning at 10 30 AM, Mary came back to room 1046 to clean. Only this time she found that the door to be locked from the outside, which usually meant that guests had left. And so assuming that the room was empty, Mary went inside only to find Owen sitting in the dark again in a chair in the far corner of the room. Mary again apologized for intruding. Didn't realize that he was didn't there. ask why someone locked him in there. Owen didn't, or she didn't even realize at first that it was locked from the outside. Oh. Uh, it wasn't until after she left. Um, but Owen, so she apologized for intruding and Owen was like, no, no, you can do your business. Uh, and he just remained sitting in the chair in the corner. That's so fucking creepy. So creepy. So she made up the bed and as she was doing that, the phone rang and, uh, Roland answers. No, Don, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. I just had breakfast, he says. And then after a moment, he says, no, I'm not hungry and hangs up the phone. After hanging up the phone, he talked with Mary a bit, asking her about her job in the hotel and complained again about the prices of the neighboring hotel. Mary finished cleaning up and then left the room. Afterwards, and it wasn't until afterwards that she realized that if the door was locked from the outside, someone else must have locked him inside. Didn't do anything about it. It was just something that she thought about, apparently. Yeah, it could have been just a weird... Yeah, like, as I was reading this, I was thinking, like... Well, the friend came and, like, locked the door, and clearly there's, like, I was, like, there's clearly some, like, submissive, dominate, like, yeah. domineering thing going on I'm here. also confused as why they were ever locked from the outside. I think it was just something that they, like, you would have a key, and it was, like, an actual key and not, like, a key oh. card, so you would lock the door but as you But then how leaving. would they get the but on the inside, maybe, uh, well, if it was his friend Don, then he, then Roland obviously gave Don a, the key. Yeah, but obviously he, he didn't eat breakfast because he was locked in his room the whole time. Well, he already ate the breakfast. So I don't know. And if, like, Don was the one inviting him down for breakfast, then he was the one that locked him in the yeah. room. So it's very confusing. I, I don't really know. Um, later on that day, Mary returned with the towels uh, and when she knocked on Roland's door, she heard two voices inside. When she said that she was there to replenish the towels, the second voice, which was much louder and deeper than Roland's, shouted at her to leave and that they had enough towels. She thought this was weird because she had removed all the towels earlier while she was cleaning. But Mary thought that it was best not to intrude on the two men and left to continue on with her job. So they were having like a lovers, lovers quarrel or they might have something going. Possibly having a lovers quarrel. Yeah, because it sounds like they're, they're hiding something for yeah. sure. Mm -hmm. It's dead body. Definitely. But yeah, definitely and it's body. the 30s. So if it is a situation where it's two gay men uh, sneaking away they to a hotel. They would definitely be hiding that Yeah, shit. they would be hiding yeah. that. Um... So later that day, two new guests showed up at the hotel. The first guest was Jean Owen. Uh, however, there was no apparent relationship to Roland Owen other than just the last name, which 
could have been coincidence, could yeah. have not been coincidence. Owen sounds like a pretty common last could name. Could have been a pretty common last name. Um, so she had come to Kansas City for the day to meet her boyfriend and decided to get a room for the night rather than drive through the dark uh, back home because safety first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean was given the key to 1048, which is the room right next to Roland and Don who knows who. Then other guest wasn't actually a guest at all, but the bellhop who worked at the night described her as a commercial woman who would often come and visit the rooms of male tr- patrons at night. Oh, a commercial that, woman. That's a really nice way to say sex worker, I think. <laughs> commercial woman. A commercial I loved woman. it so much. I wish more a people. A working girl. A working girl. You know, I like um, that. I actually like that saying. I don't know. <laughs> I did too. I don't know if other sex workers like that name. I'm not a once I don't. A commercial woman. But I, I think it's cool. <laughs> uh, and on this particular evening, she had come looking for a man in room 1026. However, she was unable to look locate him um and this woman apparently roamed the halls for multiple floors for well over an hour looking for her customer who she had apparently met before and was usually always on time uh before finally giving up and heading home however during this time the first guest Jean, she was hearing a lot of loud noises that sounded like it was coming from the same floor as her which had so her room was 1048 Roland's room was 1046 and then this woman's client's room mm-hmm. was 1026. So it would have been all, all on the same floor. She said that it sounded like men and women were talking loudly and cursing at each other and arguing. And she was going to call down to front desk and complain, but then decided not to intrude, which I totally get. I was experiencing this over the weekend when I was in my hotel. It's like one of those things where are they really like bothering me? And this yeah. is the 1930s. Like women, this woman was probably like, well, I just, it's not really a, a yeah. position. Like it's okay. Uh, and plus she's from Kansas. And from what I understand, Kansas women are super nice. I don't know. I've never been there. I've never been there either. It's just what I've heard. Um, all right. So the following morning on January 5th, 1935, the bellhop receives a call from the hotel's telephone operator and they informed the bellhop that the phone in room 1046 had been knocked off the hook for over 10 minutes without anybody using it and had asked him to go check on the room. When the bellhop went up to the room, they found that the door was locked and that the do not disturb sign was hanging from the doorknob. The bellhop knocked on the door and to his surprise, Roland responded, come in. However, the door was locked, so the bellhop told him that he needed to get up and unlock the door. Roland didn't respond. All he said was, come in and turn on the lights. He knocked louder again, stating that the door was locked, but this time there was no answer. So assuming that Roland was drunk and had knocked the phone off the hook, the bellhop just asked Roland to please hang up the phone and then return downstairs. Over an hour and a half later, the telephone operator calls again and tells the bellhop the phone was still off the hook. So this time the bellhop goes back upstairs, knocks on the door, and there's no answer. So they unlock the door with their master key, and when he opens up the door, he finds the man naked, lying on the bed, seemingly drunk. Again, the shutters are closed all the way. There's yeah. no lights on. It's completely dark. Not wanting to disturb the man and thinking that he's just drunk, uh, he quickly... The bellhop goes over, quickly picks up the phone, puts it back on the hook, and leaves, locking the door behind him. Then he went and reported the event to his manager. Mm-hmm. 
An hour later, the telephone operator calls again and says the phone is off a hook in 1046 again. Oh, my God. So the bellhop goes back upstairs, and when he enters the room, he discovers Roland sitting curled up in the corner of the room with his head in his hands with several stab wounds all over. The bed sheets and the towels are completely covered with blood, and blood spatter was all over the walls. What the f- Fuck. The bellhop immediately calls the police who take Roland to the hospital. And as they're taking him to the hospital, the police ask him who was in the room with him. And Roland responded, nobody. When they asked how he got hurt, he said, I fell in the bathtub. Oh, several times. Onto they, a knife. They asked him if he had attempted suicide. And Roland says no, then slipped into a coma. And when we arrived at the hospital, uh, Roland is pronounced dead. And the doctors discovered that Roland has been viciously tortured with his arms, legs, and neck had been restrained with some sort of cord, and his chest had multiple stab wounds. He had a punctured lung and a fractured skull. The doctors were able to determine that Roland's wounds were inflected well before the bellhop's first visit to Roland's room that morning. Oh, so when morning. he was laying down, it yeah, didn't show any stab Yeah, because it was so dark and he didn't want to deal with anything because yeah. he was annoyed, so he just went over, picked up the phone, and put it back. I get that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so the wounds had been inflicted well before the bellhop's first trip to the room that morning, and they figured that Roland was attempting to call for help multiple times, but wasn't able to do so, uh, do more than knock the phone off the hook due to his injuries. So he was, he kept reaching for the phone, but he couldn't dial the numbers. And maybe he thought like, if I just knock the phone over, they'll come up, which they did. But like, he just... I don't know why he never yelled out help or when yeah. when they were there. But maybe he like was he, coming in. Especially and out like of that first time when he's like just turn on the light. Yeah. Like it's like, why couldn't he just say help me at yeah. that point? Turn on the light. Um, so not really sure what was going on with that. Um when the police investigated the room, they found nothing. They didn't find any clothing belonging to Roland. The hotel amenities were taken, such as soap and shampoo, as well as anything that wasn't attached to the walls or furniture. And basically like, anything that they could have used as a as like a, a murder weapon mm-hmm. was like, taken out. Was taken out. Uh, they were only able to find a necktie lapel a hairpin, an unlit cigarette, a safety pin, and a small unopened bottle of diluted sulfuric acid and a broken glass that was still in the sink. They were also able to recover four small fingerprints from the telephone stand, but they were never able to be identified. And seriously, it's the 1930s, like, and it's a hotel. Yeah. There's thousands of fingerprints. And no one, like, really dusts the telephone and stuff, so... Those fingerprints could have been anybody, which is probably why they weren't ever identified. Nothing really came of that. Uh, But then they discovered that Roland T. Owen isn't actually a real person. And uh, sounds like a fake name. Yeah. And so they released uh, some competent sketches to the media asking the public to come forward with any information on their now mysterious murder victim. Shortly thereafter, the Muehlebach, hotel which was the hotel that roland was originally complaining about comes forward and says that they had a gentleman check into their hotel on january 1st however he checked in under the name eugene k scott and the investigators discovered that was to a fake name leaving them back at square one it was also discovered that the man matching his description had stayed at the St. Regis Hotel as Duncan Ogletree and shared a room with a man listed as Donald Kelso. Both names were discovered to be fake. But now we have Don. It just sounds like too 
like a rendezvous. Yeah, it sounds and like two dudes that were like dating or mm-hmm. having sex, and then one of them was like, "I'm gonna fucking come out because I can't live like this anymore." And other guys like, "That's not okay." Yeah. Uh, and they were just using fake names at hotel rooms yeah, because which they, they can't should, get they caught. They have to. Yeah. yeah, it was a different. It was a much different times, much different time. Um, so over the next couple of months, various people came forward to identify the body. However, none of them was able to be stuck and the case eventually ran cold. So they were going to bury the body, but they were going to drop it off on a pauper's plot. And, uh, once they had announced that, um, a letter is dropped off at the funeral home, um, with a donation to cover the entire costs of a small funeral mm-hmm. and with a letter that said love forever, Lucille. And at the time of the funeral, there was a phone call that was made to the local paper by a woman who refused to give her name, but she called to chastise the newspaper for stating that Roland was going to be buried in the pauper's plot, telling them that arrangements had already been made for a proper burial. When the editor pushed and asked what happened at the hotel room, the woman responded, he got into a jam and then hung up the phone. Two years later, a woman named Ruby Ogletree which is yep, the, same the same last name, name as the other Ogletree. As the Duncan Ogletree uh, comes forward claiming that the murder victim was her son, Artemis Ogletree. Oh. And when, that he had been staying at another Kansas City hotel around the time that he went missing. And starting in the spring of 1935, she started receiving letters from someone claiming to be her son. However, they were written on a typewriter, and she thought that it was strange because, as far as she knew, her son didn't know how to use a typewriter. And up until the spring, she had always been receiving handwritten letters from her son. Yeah, that would be very curious. Some letters said that she was in Chicago, or some letters said that he was in Chicago attending business school. Other letters said that he was sailing from New York to Chicago. In August later that year, she received a phone call from a man named Jordan, claiming to be a a friend of her son's, saying that Artemis had moved to Cairo, Egypt, and had married a a wealthy woman, but that Artemis couldn't write to her anymore because he lost his thumb in a brawl. What the And I'm just like... But if he's using a typewriter, yeah, you don't need, need your two thumb. Fingers. You can use one finger. You can, you can use, use a yeah. pencil in your mouth to use a typewriter. Yeah, you don't need your thumbs for a typewriter. No, you and don't. even if a situation where you did for like the space bar, you have two thumbs, use your other hand. So I yeah. thought so she got real suspicious. I've seen people type really fast yes, with, with one just finger. two yeah, yeah, like the two fingers, your so, index fingers. No. Um so Ruby gets super suspicious and decides to call the cops. Uh, but the cops aren't able to locate Artemis, so she calls the American consulate in Egypt, and they also weren't able to locate Artemis. Because he and wasn't had, fucking there. Had yeah. no record of him ever entering Egypt. And then eventually, her one of her friends happens to be reading a newspaper article that's talking about the mysterious murder in room 1046, and her friend gives her this article, and she's like, that's my son, with, mm-hmm. a, with the composite photo. Um, and although, although there wasn't much evidence to prove this, the police were inclined to believe her because she matched up the scar. I guess he had like a nasty scar that was on his face. Okay. She was able to prove that with like photos. Um, but it just mostly feels like that they kind of went along with their story because there was, there wasn't enough evidence, um, to back up 
someone else's story. Yeah. So they were like, all right, this is uh, Artemis Ogletree. It's an Ogletree. easy, like, this is a present for you. And this yeah. is, yep. So the police release uh, that they've now found the victim and his name's now Artemis Ogletree. So that, to me, like, that's not a mystery anymore. Um, one promising lead, however, did surface in 1935 when the man, no, when a man who went by the alias Joseph Ogden was arrested for the murders of his roommate. And one of Ogden's other known aliases was Don Kelso. And his appearance was similar to the description of the Donald Kelso that would stay, that stayed at the St. Regis and with uh, Artemis Ogletree, but the connection was never pursued. And so never, nothing ever yeah, there, came Yeah, there's not enough this. evidence. There's no physical yeah. evidence in the no. scene either. And the, uh, that guy, like, Joseph kept his mouth shut. Yeah. He also was claiming that his name was Joseph Ogden, so they don't even know, like, what his real name is. It's just his other aliases was Donald Kelso. Uh, so to this day, it remains unsolved. Uh, but every year, the Kansas City police re- reopens the case in hopes to solve the murder. But in my opinion... They found him. Yeah. Like, they know who the victim was because uh, they were able to track that down. And in my opinion, they fucking have the dude that killed him, possibly, if it is the Don. If it is Don that, that killed him, but they... And then it was definitely some sort of weird, like, it, not weird, but it was like mm-hmm. a BDSM, like, relationship or That's, something. Yeah. And it just went wrong. That's, I sort of, that was the feeling that I had to only from, like, the tying up, but, like... Definitely went wrong. I don't know if, like, the woman that was looking for somebody in 1026 was, like, actually looking for somebody because they're, uh, I was reading, like, a Reddit article and they were talking about how they, they felt like it was a three way mm-hmm. uh, with that crazy woman. The commercial and the other woman. Two. Yes. Because because of the Louise, is that what her Lucille. So there was clearly a woman somewhere in play here. And maybe it was a situation where like the wife found out that her husband was, you know, a homosexual and yeah. killed him. Or maybe he was gonna leave the other man. I mean, you can concoct or maybe any story Artemis that you was want like, to. if you, you know, I'm gonna I can't live like this anymore. I need maybe yeah. you want it out of the relationship too. And that's another way of yeah. permanently doing that. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is my mysterious, mystery. my mystery murder in room ten forty six. So interesting. I've never even heard anything about it. I just like this was so crazy to me because yeah. like everyone, everyone was so bothered by like it was so weird that he just like we never saw him. I'm just like that sounds like typical behavior for mm-hmm. a hotel. Um, but yeah. That's my crazy murder. I loved it. I love that story. Well, my murder is one of those murders when you read it and then you're like, that was unavoidable. <laughs> you know, like it could have literally been you and that's how, you know, like random acts of violence oh, when you read about it and you're my like, gosh. that Fuck. scares me so much. Like, yeah, people like people who like just walk down the street and yep. then your hair flowed a certain way and then someone kills you because of that like i mean that's what happened i think last year or two years ago in koreatown in la there wow. was a guy who was waiting for any korean girl to walk by him he had a hammer in his hand and smashed her head in she survived but there was no connection wow. it was just the fact that she was a girl in korean in Korea, in Koreatown. I mean, that's 
that's so i mean like sometimes when i read about random acts of violence i'm like that's the scariest because that's, that's what i'm the most scared of like you don't expect you can't, it yeah you don't control that yeah it's like it's someone's it's someone else's like it was like that dude that um shot the woman from he was like sitting in her car or he was sitting in his car and he basically just waited until someone like pulled in uh next to him yeah and, and then he and then he just shot her yeah like through the through the cars and it was just like that is <sighs> or a guy from roger park like i think in no- october there's so many <laughs> yeah but like he killed two people he just went he's has just, like a like, mask on and just started like killing i'm like so this one is one of those feelings you get you're like oh so unfortunate like see i did i did a story that makes you uncomfortable because i know that you don't like unsolved Unsolved mysteries and and i don't like stories where it's like this is could be literally anyone anyone. yeah so this is what that is yay Yay. let's start right off so on the night of april 3rd 1997 22 year old hongshik university student cho jungpil was found stabbed to death in the bathroom at a burger king in itaewon oh my gosh and i'll give you a little bit of background of itaewon itaewon is like an area in korea where like basically all the foreigners live so like they basically built their own community so you can feel more comfortable so there's like a burger king there there's like a taco bell there's you know like you can find all the amenities and things that you may miss about home there because they built their own community but this was, he was just found stabbed in the bathroom. And the worst, not the worst part, but um, the bathroom was fucking tiny. It was 1.5 by 2.6 meters, which is five, or sorry, about, about five foot by eight and a half feet. Five by eight? I mean. That's really small. Eight doesn't seem like, eight's pretty standard, but five, five is. Five's pretty small. I mean, it's basically the bathtub. But just, it's a bathroom at a restaurant. At the Burger King restaurant. Oh. Oh, yeah. that's small for that's a small. Burger King restaurant. That's like a one toilet bathroom. Oh, why am I talking about a tub? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm picturing. Blood was spattered all over the sink, walls, and floor of the tiny bathroom. Like blood yeah. was fucking everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's a small, that's a tiny ass room. So the next day on April 4th, the Criminal Investigation Division received an anonymous report and arrested Korean-American Arthur Patterson, 18 at the time. Oh, shit. On April 6th, after seeing his son on TV, Edward Lee, 18, um, what is it, spoke to his son and was just like, what the fuck? Like, I think they had like footage because they have lots of CCTV. Sorry, who's, who's father? Um, Edward Lee's father, okay. a different guy's father. Saw the, saw the TV and was like, that kind of looks like my son. Called him and then called, basically talked to a lawyer. And then they turned him in on April 8th to the okay. police. Because I think in his mind, it's like, well, if you didn't do anything wrong, you just still go to the cops, which I agree with. But mm-hmm. I'm so good for his dad. If for you not did nothing to... wrong, then you go and you show them that you did you didn't nothing do anything wrong. wrong. And good for his dad for yeah. turning him in because a lot of parents wouldn't. A lot of families don't. No. So good for him. Listen, brother dear and sister dear and any other family member that happens to read my podcast, I'll fucking turn you in. <laughs> I don't think I won't. I've done it before. 
So I'll turn you in. Don't ever tell me. Actually, sometimes I do feel like if my brother came to me and told me that he killed someone, I would probably help him hide the body. And I shouldn't admit that on a podcast (laughs) because if he ever does do that, they're going to come to me. They're they're definitely going to use this clip. Yes, they're going to be like, like, well, you said right here. You're like, uh, in court. And it's just like, yeah, but it's time. I didn't think that he would actually kill anybody. Anyways. I was just speculating, like saying things. <laughs> I was just saying things. It didn't mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just what I said. Yeah, it wasn't what I meant. Yeah. But anyways, Arthur and Edward were there on April third at night at Burger King with a group of about twenty other people, and they were hanging out on the fourth floor of the building, which sounds like it was probably an apartment or something. Mm-hmm. And um, it was also the apartment, like the building that housed the Burger King. Okay, so there's an apartment. So the Burger King is in the basement of an apartment. I building. think it's well, like not a basement, the first but the floor, main floor or something. Yeah. And then I think there's like apartments or some sort of like living situations above it. Oh my god, the smell! The smell of everything on the first floor. I don't know if it would continue to rise. It probably does continue to it rise. It probably does continue to but rise. But just smelling fry fat yeah. all day long. But it happens everywhere. Worst. Like you think about like We'd New York and know. stuff, right? I don't. Yeah. I don't ever live near a fast food place because I can't stand the smells. Oh. Anyways, Arthur used his pocket knife to cut the hamburger in half and discuss with the group a conversation about knives. And the reason why it's talk- important to talk about the pocket knife because is because obviously the pocket knife was being used for the murder. Okay, so the pocket knife is the murder weapon. Yes, and that's confirmed, or is that thought about? Okay. So after the rest of the group headed back to the fourth floor, Arthur and Edward headed to the bathroom. This is where they ran into Cho, and that's when the stories diverge. Cho was stabbed nine times by the pocket knife. Okay. Edward said that while he was washing his hands in the sink, and I don't understand how three of them fell fit into that bathroom. It's such a small bathroom. I mean, I think it's probably bigger than what you're thinking. So eight feet, it's definitely the length, yes. right? And then five, I mean, it's small. It's not big by any means, but I mean, I I imagine it's probably about the same size as your spare bathroom. And yeah. you could definitely fit three people in but there. But I mean, you, you want to be peeing next to people in there? Well, I also don't know if it's like multi-stall. Is it one of those bathrooms where it's just like probably, a toilet and a sink? Because if it was a toilet and a sink, you'd knock the door if you're in there. So yeah. I'm assuming that if there's because stalls, there are all three of them in there, there must have been more than and one. And I don't know what guys' urinal. bathrooms look like. Don't they have like a urinal and then a stall? Yeah. So you can just, pee and poop in privacy? Weird. Anyways. Edward said that while he was washing his hands in the sink, Arthur stabbed Cho on the right side of the urinal. Like that's, oh, you know. okay. And then Arthur well, said... I was just over here washing my hands yeah. and, then and then all of a sudden... Yeah. And then Arthur blood said everywhere. that Edward stabbed Cho. Because uh, that's what you... That's he said, where, he said. Yeah. So then that's where it's like, well, then what really happened? Because obviously only one person stabbed and it wasn't... Who had the wounds on their hands? Well, they didn't check that. Because isn't it like when you stab someone, you'll get, yes, you'll also get an injury? There's like a whole thing for this. But Arthur's entire body was drenched in blood from head to toe. That's the victim? That's one of the guys. Okay, sorry. I'm getting confused with all the guys' names. (laughs) I apologize. So Arthur was the one who was first arrested. Yes. Because he was found on CCTV and Edward's the one who was turned in by his father. Okay, so Arthur and Edward are the perpetrators and Cho is Is the the victim. victim. Okay. Sorry. Cho, his name is Chungpur or Chung, yeah, Chungpir, but I'm gonna just name him Cho because it's easier. And Fair. yeah, um, yeah. So Arthur's body was drenched in blood from head to pants, and Edward had 
blood spray patterns on his pants and the right shoulder and chest area of his shirt. He didn't do the stabbing. Yeah, that's what you would you would assume, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, Edward's mom ran his clothes in the laundry after he asked her to wash it. But <laughs> Arthur burned his clothes because it was so bloodied. Yeah. So you can kind of see where this is going. Yeah. But just kidding. That's not how this investigation happens, which is why the story's so long. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the language barrier and both boys blaming each other for the murder mm-hmm. because they spoke English. And even if they're Korean American, they're probably more like me where my yeah. Korean's just like, what the fuck are you saying right now? Um, the case was you mishandled tried. and Edward was arrested for the murder while Arthur was convicted of for possession of weapons and destruction of evidence because he threw the knife used in the murder down the drain in the u.s military base so even though arthur was doing all of these very suspicious things edward got arrested i want to know their reasoning south korean prosecutors said that due to the nature of the wounds on the right side of cho's neck edward must have done it because he was taller and the wound was oriented downwards it's a p- possible no. i'm willing to believe but i still think it is a behind like they nope, they cornered him and no so while they were building a case against edward author arthur sorry author <laughs> arthur caught a break and the sentence was stopped because they were so focused on edward they were kind of like okay yeah forget yeah about for you. whatever Fuck whatever that. they're both guilty so the ministry of justice of korea didn't extend a foreign travel ban for Arthur. So he took advantage of this oversight and flew back to the U.S. in 1999. Ooh. After only serving a year and a half in prison. He vacated. Oh, yeah, he fucking did. Edward was found guilty of the murders in the first trial. But then the Supreme Court later acquitted him due to insufficient evidence, which Mm -hmm. is very true. Um, as Cho's family and the prosecution looked at Arthur for the crime, the fact that he had traveled back to U.S. very much hindered their ability to do much more yeah. after that. I'm surprised they weren't able to extradite him back. So basically that happened in 1997. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until December 10th, 2009. Yep. 12 years later. Yep. 10 years after Arthur fled the country because he fled the country in 1999. Yeah south korean film was made about the incident and that's it's how it's how it, it's how it always is like until hollywood or a media thing like takes interest in you no one cares yeah no one cares but uh kudos to the people that do make those documentaries because, or movies yeah yeah because it's like it helps yeah, a yeah, lot it does. yeah it does help so the movie was called the case of itaewon homicide and it brought back public interest in the case and cho's family was finally able to get prosecutors back on the case prosecutors are basically just like we're busy you know but well, like what were they doing with um the other guy's case edward's like- already so he was Free. convicted and, and then he it was um exonerated basically like he was exonerated of his crimes because there wasn't enough evidence of it so the supreme court overturned his conviction um, okay well, so i mean was, the real killer is the one that got away yeah so during their second investigation they analyzed a pattern of blood stains and assessed a new the credibility of the testimony of the people connected in the case well, I mean, they're already coming out now and being like blood spatter is not a real thing. Yeah, but this is different because yeah. it, was, it was like the blood soaking was like the big thing. Like one person's soaked in blood and the yeah. other one just has a spray of it. That's 
Yeah. Yeah. So the, a replica room was built. I don't know why they didn't do this in the first place, but a replica room was built as the Burger King was no longer there and a scene was reenacted. Mm-hmm. Two very important things were discovered during their second investigation. Yeah. First, Cho was wearing a backpack. So a short person could have easily stabbed Cho by grabbing the backpack and holding him in place. Yes, because I was definitely thinking that uh, they, like, sandwiched him in the room. Like, one person was behind him and one person was in front of him. And they probably did have him by the backpack because... I don't think, like, I honestly don't even know if Edward had anything to do with it. He could have honestly just been in the bathroom and then and Arthur like really stabbed. just watching his hands and yeah it could have honestly just been washing his hands and Arthur started stabbing him but then like I feel like he would have gotten a lot more spray what do you mean like if he was just standing there washing his hands I feel like he would probably would have gotten a little bit more spray uh of the blood like on him I don't know it's I mean but it, it depends on yeah it depends on like the direction of yeah. the blood being sprayed too yeah and one person's completely drenched in blood and the other one isn't it's kind of like why did you go with the person like that guy and it was yeah. like it was because he was taller that was the only reason yeah, that they chose him second given the nature of the crime the criminal and the victim would have come into physical contact meaning the criminal would have been covered in blood Mm-hmm. so obviously yeah they got the wrong fucking guy and yeah you know i don't know i can't say if edward for sure is innocent you know obviously something- i think edward held him and i think maybe the reason why he didn't have as much blood spatter is because it was spraying towards the other guy but i think like when you stab someone it does it can happen so quickly that like yeah but i mean they had a little bit of, so it was on his right shoulder right so if he like, if he reaches over and stabs this way and pulls out, the blood's going to go forward onto you. Yeah. So, I mean, if I guess, uh, like, if he's talking then, to you, but then the blood is... It would, like, your would cause a little bit of spray on your shoulder of But then if this. he's pulling him back, it's, it's not forward. Yeah. You're digging forward. He's pulling him back down to his level to stab him. So then the yeah. blood would still splatter on you, even if you weren't a part of it yeah yeah no definitely the, the dude that got soaked in blood definitely did, did i don't know I, I don't know what edward did yeah. i don't know for sure if but he, he was definitely a part innocent of it. or if like because then it's another thing like yeah then that person died but then he's a, he's like a little kid like he's like, he's like a teenager he doesn't he got scared and i just look at it like if you were just washing your hands and so all of a sudden like some dude started stabbing some other dude in the bathroom you get the fuck up you go to the police you don't like some people don't go though. wash your clothes get your mom to wash your clothes but some people you've, you've yeah, heard of that too right i mean everyone, that's true everyone grieves differently everyone deals with situations like that but differently if, yeah it's just it's unfortunate that he was arrested but you would think that i mean he did he did say that it was the other guy yeah so it so was I mean, and then that was another thing it was like well i'm just gonna say it was you so I, I understand, like, I think mm-hmm. he should have gone to the police right away, but I can see other, like, people acting differently, regardless, yeah. depending on the situation. Because it's never happened to me, so I don't know how I would act. I want to well, think I would have police. Not, it's not so much, like, I mean, it obviously depends on the situation, because, like, if the two were friends, but I still look at it like, you made the mistake by not going Yeah, but I don't, like, I can't say for yeah. sure what everyone would do in certain situations who knows right no we don't know where edward's role was but he definitely played a role yeah and and being there is a role too but you know 
he made a mistake by not going to the police right yeah. after. If that's if his story is, is correct, true and truthful, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think that it is. I think it is because I think that he I could see it easily happening where, where like, you know, like if when you stab someone, I imagine like if you're hitting the same place and it's like kind of a nice, it's, it's really it's fast. I'm. I just mean like I don't think that he had no role in it. Because I don't think he held him down in any way. Yeah. And so besides being able, holding him down, what other maybe, way? Maybe standing by the door, and making sure nobody comes into the door. Maybe. Like but, he obviously had a role because he didn't go to the police. But ever, like but like yes, I said, but, everyone yeah. yeah everyone reacts differently. I just. I don't think that he's 100% innocent, but I also don't think that he's the one that did the stabbing. Because like how Arthur left Korea, Korea once he was judged, judged innocent on the other charges, it remained a controversy where the statute of limitations would have stopped in the legal community because like mm-hmm. you can't, after a certain time, you can't get convicted of a murder, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing in Korea. It says, if a, in a foreign country to escape criminal actions is not proven, it means that the statute of limitations is stopped until 15 years past the murder date Mm -hmm. so the statute of limitations would expired on april 2012 so they were really close to that and the only way he would have still been convicted after that date was if they found out that he fled the country on purpose which which was so much harder to prove i mean but it's i can imagine how it would probably be a little easy for them to prove it in this yeah. In this case, like he left so quickly after he was clearly fleeing. But, but then it could have just also been like he's, you know, like they because I'm American. Lawyer, and I want lo- to go yeah. Home. So want, lawyers are yeah. that's what lawyers are for, right? Yes. So to avoid controversy and basically all that, you know, like jumping the hoop stuff, prosecutors announced on December 2011 that Arthur would be prosecuted, and on December 22nd 2011. Arthur was prosecuted by South Korean prosecutors, not in Korea though, but I think in the States, like they were able to prosecute him. Oh, in the okay. States. Okay. Okay. Cause they don't extradite him for a while. Okay. So after further investigation by the U S attorney and South Korean prosecutors, they came to the conclusion that Edward and Arthur were accomplices, which is your idea. And that Arthur committed the murder and Ed- Edward instructed it. And we're not really sure how they got that idea of how Edward would have instructed Arthur doing it because I'm not sure what evidence they would have had for that. It depends on what you define by like instructed, but like if it was like, his plan yeah i think that's what they're trying to say like it was edward's plan but arthur's the one who went through with it Mm -hmm. but the possibility for indictment for edward is unlikely as he had already been acquitted for the same crime yeah double double jeopardy Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. so on december 2012 the u.s federal court in los angeles ruled for arthur to be extradited to south korea arthur delayed his extradition by submitting a habeas corpus which is I wrote it down because I didn't actually I've heard it a lot in law shows it's, but I don't know what it is. Habeas corpus is um, it's like it's it's a recourse in law through which a person can report unlawful detention or imprisonment to a court yeah. and request that the court order the custodian of the person, usually a prison official, to bring prisoner to court to determine where the detention is lawful. But anyways, yeah, <laughs> that was a much, was very mouthy, time. but I had to like, I was like, yeah. well, you know, someone might be like, what the fuck is that? So Arthur arrived late September 2015 to be tried domestically in South Korea. So that's when he finally makes it back to South Korea, September 2015. 
he was found guilty and sentenced to a maximum of 20 years in prison. Due to the state's failing to properly investigate the case and inflicting pain to Cho's family, a local court ordered the state to pay 360 million won, which is around $321,000 US in compensation. Cho's mom, Lee Poksun, said that she was not satisfied with the verdict. Said, the money is way too little for what we had been through. It took 18 years for us to bring Arthur back into the courts. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have taken as long as the government had done its job properly. Exactly. The court and prosecutors gave up on a case until I met with the investigative TV show producers. Because there was a, um, a episode about it. Yeah, once uh, the news gets into play. And the film director who reported and revealed the case to the world. Mm-hmm. The prosecutors would not have reopened the case if it was not for our efforts. No, they probably wouldn't. We've been petitioning the courts for 21 years since my son was killed in 1997. Like, how fucking awful and sad is that shit? That's really sad. That makes me, like, super sad because, like, do you imagine, like, spending, like, that much time just trying to get the courts to care about your dead son? Like, Like, how? That's your, it's your sole job. Yeah. Is to, like, get justice. And you're going to sit there and tell me that you're too busy to get this justice. Yeah. And no, that's real shady. She said, she would later say after Arthur's guilty verdict, I feel Chungpi's heart can finally be at rest. I feel that he would think that some of the unfairness has been lifted just as we do following a trial the defense revealed that they will appeal to the sentence explaining that that when they consider the blood stains left on the scene of the crime edward appears to be the real criminal which is what you're supposed to do when yeah but i'm like you know i get like you're, you're a lawyer that's your job and when you're a murderer it's your job to try really hard to prove you're not a murderer because that's what you fucking do and it's just it's so awful because that means it's just gonna get dragged on the court forever yeah. and she's gonna have to keep going back and relive this awful thing that happened to her son who was doing nothing he was at a burger king that was it that's all yep. he was doing he was just eating food probably having a good time or whatever and then get stabbed in the bathroom like just so now i can't go into bathrooms without wondering like oh is someone <laughs> yeah someone gonna stab me in here no that that freaks me out too because it could have been a situation where like he was um maybe he just looked at him the wrong way and yeah. those two, him and his friends were probably sitting at the other table and just like hey you know what let's do it that guy yeah but let's then they already had a pocket knife on them too right so it's like so you just have a pocket knife on you and then they're like i just want to go kill someone and see what it feels like basically what it seems like yeah 100%. and because they because both they go didn't together know the guy, too. Right? yeah and they both went in together to the bathroom and i don't do guys usually go to the bathroom together no it's weird right yeah yeah and like you just don't expect it. You don't ima- you don't go into the bathroom and think to yourself, "Oh, these oh, two people are in kind of kill me." This is where me. I'm gonna die. Yeah, like it just in a Burger King bathroom. In a bur- that's so sad. Like it just couldn't. It just I don't know. But that's really sad. I just thought also also thought it was so weird that it was so recent that he got extradited back to South Korea. Yeah, that took a really really yeah. long time. A surprisingly long amount of time for everything. Um, for everything, yeah, because. Why didn't they just extradite him back, like, right away? Yeah. Maybe because they didn't have, they they couldn't? And as a disclaimer, as I always do a disclaimer, 
just because I cover a lot of murders in South Korea doesn't mean there's a lot of murders in South Korea. No. It just means that I can pronounce names a little easier. <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. No. <laughs> I am very appreciative of uh, Angela being able to have a better uh, pronunciation with these. Because there are a lot of stories that I would like to do, but I don't because I'm worried. Like, I wouldn't want to... See... Like I, I don't want to have to ruin a story because I keep pronouncing And you can say their names continuously. Yeah, you continuously do so. it. And, um, so out of respect, I haven't done uh, some a, stories. A, a, some stories. Yeah. Um, but I'm really happy that you do because I I would never know about this kind of stuff. No. I've never heard about the reporter who like killed herself. I didn't know about the YouTuber who was murdered. Yeah, from uh, Pakistan. From her, from her brother in Pakistan. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you've told me where it's like, these are crazy f- stories. Yeah. And it's not that they're not happening everywhere else in the world. It's just um, that I'm just covering random yeah. deaths around the world because I'm trying to not do too many U.S.-based yeah. stories. I think that's also what, um, like, for me, uh, for us, rather, I find that this is what kind of sets us apart is that you are, we are able to do those kinds of stories and give light and remember the victims in these crimes in um, different parts of the world, in different parts of the world, different social and political climates. That's not just purely an American serial killer. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that we don't do those because we do. What a way to end this I episode. Know. Well, um, <laughs> if you liked our episode, <laughs> be sure uh, to leave a review, subscribe, uh, rate, rate, like us uh we're on most uh social medias at people who keep dying you can send us an email if you guys have any suggestions on stories that you'd like to hear uh people keep dying at gmail.com and hopefully you're here next week like you aren't imprisoned you aren't dead yeah you You didn't didn't mysteriously die in a hotel and if you go to a hotel don't give your fake name guys because if you die they're not gonna be able to find you really hard for many many years you should leave a a trail like a breadcrumb trail just one little trail unless that's what you really want i guess you want to die anonymously which is kind of weird but you know it's your own thing die die however you want to (laughs) yeah let's hope you can die however way you want to die all right see you guys next week Bye. bye